Well, good evening. Good to see all of you here. <clears throat> you know, when you ins are inserted into kind of a, a preaching role uh, where there are multiple people who step in from time to time, you wonder, hmm, I wonder how this one will go. Uh, but, you know, little did I know uh, last Wednesday, uh, I think it was Tyler that was reading the text, reading a parable. And that's where we're coming from today. So uh, we're going to be looking at some parables. Uh, some of you may have heard the expression, I'm all ears. That may be an old time expression and some of you have heard it for the first time ever. Um, you might think about when was the last time maybe you said or heard that or maybe felt that way. What does that convey? I'm all ears. It conveys an eagerness, a wanting to know the story that uh, uh, you've been tantalized with just a little tidbit of, that you're interested or you've got my attention, now tell me. I'm all ears. Jesus talked about the importance of listening and the responsibility of listeners. We're going to be looking in Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 through 23. That's not all we're going to look at, but that's where we're going to spend most of our time. But he encouraged listening, just like maybe any good parent or teacher would do. Sometimes he would preface a parable, as in Mark chapter 4, verse 3, the same parable of the soils, by the word, listen. And then he tells the parable. Or in the Matthew account that we're going to be looking at in verse 18 of chapter 13, he ends the section on uh, the interpretation or the meaning of the parable uh, with, he says, listen before he tells the interpretation of it. And then also in Matthew chapter thir uh, 13, verse 9, he concludes the parable with a phrase that we're familiar with from Jesus. He who has ears, let him hear. He's concerned about people listening and hearing the message that uh, he is proclaiming. You know, now, we're ready to measure the communication ability of a teacher or <clears throat> a preacher uh, and uh, we do that from time to time and I uh, uh, today would give Blake an A++ uh, really enjoyed uh, that gospel message that you gave today but Jesus lets us understand that the person listening has responsibility also Uh, did you know that in Hebrew, the word for hear and the word for obey are essentially the same word? It's really not two sides of the same coin, but they are melded together, just a part of each other. Hearing and obeying go together. They are a part of each other. Uh, when I was in grad school at ACU back in the late 60s, 
I, I would drive up to Thalia, Texas. Anybody know where Thalia is? It's just outside of Vernon, Texas. I'd preach every weekend up there. Uh, and I would listen to the radio, and there was, I don't remember his name, I'm sorry, I'm just sorry to say, but uh, a gospel preacher from the Churches of Christ would be on the radio, and I'd listen to him, and his key phrase that he would say every time that he gave a message was, are you listening? And it gets your attention, if you weren't, and bring you back to what he was saying. Um, parents want their kids to listen. And there are myriad of times when you realize they are not listening. Uh, they don't come out of the womb good listeners. Uh, they have to build that skill, and you have to help them with that. Uh, my mother made a practice of reading a Bible story out of, I think it's Egemeyer's Bible story book, an old one with wonderful pictures in it. And one time she read the story of Daniel in the lion's den, and she always asked questions afterwards. And she asked uh, my sister that we're going to go visit tomorrow and spend a week up in Fayetteville, Cheryl, why did the lions not eat Daniel? She hadn't been paying attention. And she said, well, I think it's because God fed them bacon. <laughs> and uh, she got a zero that night. Uh, uh, but, you know, sometimes you don't listen and you come up with your own version of the story. Listening is really critical. One of the purposes of parables has to do with facilitating listening and understanding. And it's interesting, parables help both the listening helping to listen and hindering of listening. Look at uh, Matthew chapter 13, uh, beginning with verse 11. In verse 10, the disciples have asked Jesus, what do you teach in parables? Listen to his response. Because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. He really gets to what is, I think, kind of a description of what good hearing or listening is all about. Understanding with your heart. Letting your heart take it in and I think even be moved by what you hear from the lips of Jesus Christ. Then he also pronounces a blessing on his disciples. Verses 16 and 17. But blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For truly I tell you, Many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see, but did not see it. 
and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. The disciples are getting in on the mystery of the kingdom. And Jesus tells them, you know, there were many people that preceded you that longed for this day to see and to hear what you are experiencing right now. And the wonderful thing, if we listen to God's word well, if we listen to the voice of Jesus Christ with our hearts, in a sense, we get in on what is the mystery of the kingdom. Because we're hearing what he told the disciples and we begin to understand how it is a mystery and that we are living the mystery of God as we are the children of God. I want to look at a couple of early parables before we get to chapter 13. If you turn over to Matthew chapter 9, uh, there are some three little brief parables that Jesus gives, uh, beginning with verse 14 where disciples of John the Baptist come and they have a question. How is it that we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? And he answers with three little quick parables. Jesus answered, how can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. Then they will fast. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Neither do people put new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst, the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. All three of these are making the same point, essentially. That this new time of a new expression of the kingdom of God, the breaking in of God through his Son into human reality here, cannot be restricted to the old forms of Judaism without disastrous results. Newness is here, and you have to make accommodations for newness. It's absurd to think that you would mourn when you're with the bridegroom. It's absurd to think that you would sew a new piece of material on an old garment that has a hole in it. The new piece will shrink itself when it's washed and the hole will become bigger. It's absurd to think that you put new wine into skins that have all the stretch taken out of them because when that new wine begins to bubble and ferment and expand, there's no more expanding in the old wineskin. Familiar settings giving insight. So let's go to chapter 13. This is perhaps one of the most familiar parables that Jesus told. And it's the parable of the four soils. Uh, verses 1 through 23, we're not going to read it all. There are four kinds of soil. And you might say that there are four kinds of listeners, four kinds of people that hear what God is saying. So let's read the first nine verses where he tells the parable. 
Now that same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where they did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. And this is followed by the question of why do you speak in parables? And it'll be followed by, would you explain that parable to us? This story plants a verbal scene of farming in early Israel in Jesus' day. Uh, you have the hard path. Not every farm had fences in Jesus' day. Some of them did, rocks that they would take out of the, out of the uh, land and stack up to make a fence. But at times, there was only a narrow, well-worn path separating fields. It reminds me very much of Africa. Uh, men will plow their fields with their yoke or two yoke or sometimes three yoke of oxen. And before they get the uh, uh, so, a seed sown, people are back to following the old paths that they had tr uh, made before. And so you have a a plowed field that is spider-webbed with paths that are worn hard. And so when they sow the seed, some of it does fall on the hard path. That ground is so hard that we might be inclined to say that it was a waste for the seed to fall on that soil. Satan will not let it remain. And I guess this presents one dynamic of the kingdom that is so true that we need to keep our head wrapped around is that Satan opposes what is happening in the world of the kingdom of God. And so if seed is sown, which is the word of God, and is left there to lie alone, Satan will snatch it and take it away lest it find a place to take root. These are people that are not interested. Or they may hear with what I would describe as Pharisaic, uh, Pharisaic arrogance. You know, this isn't for me. Uh, and so they're filled with scorn or ridicule about what they are hearing. And so their hearts really are shown to be hard and, and it doesn't penetrate their heart. They hear but leave with lives unaffected because their hearts are hard. And many times their hearts were hard because their hearts were hard to the messenger 
Jesus would have nothing to do with him. We might ask, is the soil to blame? I would say yes. Each person is the cultivator of your own soil, your own heart. You're responsible for your heart. The second kind of soil was the rocky ground. Doesn't mean that it was filled with uh, kind of the soil we have around our house, rocks in it. Uh, that's not the kind of rocky soil. Um, the soil is too shallow due to a layer of rock underneath it. And so there isn't room for roots to go down really deep. There's no depth to the soil. You know, as Jesus' popularity grew, many people followed him impulsively. People were thrilled by not just what they heard, not teaching like their teachers of the law, but teaching with authority. They were thrilled with what they saw, the miracles that he performed, and how he treated people, and how responsive he was to poor people and their response to him. They crowded around. They blocked doorways so that they could get close and see and hear what was going on in this event. The people are crowding Jesus so much that he has to get into a boat and they push off to create a little distance between him and the crowd so that people on the edges could hear him just as much as the people in front of him. But the crowds would thin out. To the point that in John chapter 6, verse 67, after Jesus has given some very difficult teachings, Jesus asked his own disciples, Will you go too? The crowds thinned out, their roots weren't deep. The problem wasn't accepting Jesus quickly or lack of enthusiasm, the problem was of the shallowness of their faith in Jesus Christ. And so when trouble or persecution or hard times, Jesus says, or even difficult teachings as he gave, they give up and uh, just can't handle it. Turn away. Third kind of ground is thorny ground. The thorns aren't there when they're sown, but the seeds are there along with good seed that's in the soil and good plants and weeds, thorns grow up together. I know that we all are aware of how hardy weeds are. I mean, they're making it through this drought better than the stuff that was in our raised garden, you know. They hang on. Thorns grow up, and Jesus says the thorns choke the plants, the good plants. And Jesus explains this as the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth. These are the realities that for a believer can, can come in that are a part of your culture, a part of your way of life, a part of the circumstances of so many people around you that you can become like them and still live by the old standards. And so the worries about getting things in life and 
wealth, materialism choke out the realities of your faith. We can become too busy. If that can be true for people in an agrarian society, it certainly is true for people who live in the hustle and bustle of Abilene, Texas, and that's nothing like the hustle and bustle in the Metroplex and what have you, but you can find enough hustle and bustle here for it to get you wrapped up in the busyness of life in town, life in the city. So that prayer, study, alone time with God is smothered out and choked to where it's not there anymore and it doesn't provide me any nourishment. That can happen in our world. And then he says there's good soil. Aren't we thankful for good soil? He describes it, and it's, I, I would say to elaborate on what good soil is, it's soil that is fertile. It is soil that has been loosened so that seed can go down into it. It can be received, and it has depth to allow roots to go down, and it's clean enough to allow seeds to grow unhindered. You like to find ground like that. Matthew's account, Mark's account, and Luke's account all give a description of the good soil. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 23, let me just read that one since I'm in chapter 13. It says, But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears, so these are different kind of hearers, it uh, refers to someone who hears the word and understands it, this is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what is sown. Good soil understands the word and produces a crop. Get the connection between hearing and obeying. You understand and you produce a crop in your life. Mark chapter 4 verse 20 Jesus describes good soil are those people who accept the word. They take it in and it becomes a part of their life. And so the, so, uh, the, the seed has room to grow and is nurtured and produces a crop. I really like Luke's account. Luke chapter 8 verse 15. Jesus describes the good soil as those who, are, who have a noble and good heart who hear the word and retain it and by persevering produce a crop. That's a more lengthy description. But you have a noble and good heart. I, I think I would describe that is that you have a heart that is seeking word from God. Messages from him, relationship with him. And so it is noble and good, and you retain it and you persevere, and again, a crop is produced. Good hearts seek to hear not what is easy, 
but what is true. Don't we want to know what's true? Uh, truth is hard to come by these days. You can look on the internet and anything can show up and you don't know if it's real or not. We come to Jesus because we want to know truth. Well, let's do a little application of this to us. A sower, you know, I, I first wrote down here, it can be anyone who talks to a friend, neighbor, or uh, anyone around them, a co-worker, about Jesus, or about the kingdom, or about your way of life, the reason why you live the way you do. Really, I think that's all of us. We have those experiences where we get to interface with other people who are not like us, don't live by our values, don't understand the, the power of the kind of life that draws us to himself, Jesus Christ. The word of God is always good. There's no life without seed. And the word of God is the beginning place for faith and life. Listen how, to how Peter describes God's word. First Peter, the first chapter, verse 23 says, For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring Word of God. It's imperishable. It is living. It is enduring. You think how many millennia this book has been around. And I believe it'll be around till Jesus comes again. Uh, people try to snuff it out. There are countries where you aren't allowed to have them. And yet people will sneak them in and they will hide them and treasure them. It endures. Turn back a couple of pages to James, the first chapter, verse 18. James says, He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all He created. Kind of the initial beginnings of life, of the germination of life in us is to hear the word. And it's always good as it comes from God. The outcome depends on the human heart. Your human heart, mine. Now when we think about uh, wanting to do evangelism, Lord, give me good soil to teach. Yes, that's what we want. But sometimes you don't know what you're dealing with. Is this good, uh, not to question you, but is this good soil or not, you know? Uh, is this someone who has shallowness in their life and that would prohibit faith enduring? What kind of person is this? It really doesn't matter. You sow regardless.
you sow the seed. I have a friend who, when he was in his 20s, was a drug addict. He rented a little house in the backyard of a widow lady who was a member of the Church of Christ. She got brave and invited him to church one day. He came to church with her. Now, you know, on face va- at face value, I would look at him and say, that's not a good prospect, so you go elsewhere. She invited him to church, and he saw something in those people that he had not seen in any other experience he had had. And it drew him to wanting to know and to learn and to study and he came to faith and that young man became a missionary for the Lord in Tanzania and also in Korea might not have looked like good soil but it's only God who knows the heart we don't and so we not to be redundant and so we sow (laughs) the seed We don't stand at the church doors and say, only good soil may enter. Jesus came for all kinds of people. And he also said, the gates of Hades will not prevail against this message. Good soil or not, the gospel has power. Um... We share, we teach, we tell, we experience life with people, and we pray for harvest. We sow the seed, and we don't judge the soil. We sow the seed. Because good news is for anybody, everybody. Lastly, I think we ought to be aware that you and I are responsible for the condition of our own soil our own hearts listen he says he or she who has ears let him or her hear some of us have work to do I would imagine to try to be a good hearer just because we are Christians doesn't mean I listen well. I can get into habits of not paying attention, not living, realizing where the source of life is for me. Sometimes we hear God's word and we say, we think, oh, I know that one, so I don't have to think about it. Well, maybe he would like you to think about it again. Um, years ago Kellogg's Corn Flakes came out with a new uh, commercial that was in the beginning days of when they started putting twigs and nuts and other things in cereal I, I'm a purist I like Kellogg's Corn Flakes and, but the market was going toward those things and so this commercial came on and the commercial says let me see if I can find it here because I want to get it right try Kellogg's Corn Flakes again for the first time 
Don't think about your experience in the past, but let it be a first-time experience when you come to them this time. And that's really what we need to do with the Word of God. We can just shelve things and think, I don't need to go there or study that or I got that nailed down. And God doesn't have any room to give us any new insights. We, as God's people, must listen. Leaders of Jesus' day did, want, did not want to have a fresh hearing of what God was doing. And we can rely on memory or tradition or the way it's always been and not let God speak to us from his word. We may only want a partial hearing. You know, I avoid those passages because, really, uh, they don't support my view. That's not a very honest way to approach Scripture. He who has ears, let him hear. Listen. Do we open our hearts so that when we come to the text, the truth can speak what kind of soil do you want to be what do I want to be I'll do something with the parable that uh, Jesus didn't do I think he'll forgive me uh, but we each have our hearts <clears throat> and there may be parts of your heart that need to be weeded out parts of your heart where there's some fallow ground that needs to be cultivated, broken up. To let that part of your life hear what God has to say to you. What kind of heart do we want? Hopefully a noble and good heart. You know, our posture needs to be like Samuel, and little did I know that on Wednesday night, I think all of the classes probably touched on the call of Samuel. Ours did. Um, but our posture needs to be like Samuel, who three dry runs, he ran to Eli thinking Eli is calling, and then finally Eli gets the picture, and he tells you go back, and the next time your name is called, you say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Is that not the spirit we ought to have when we even come to Scripture? You know, I don't do it, but maybe I found a new habit to have when I do my daily Bible reading. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. I want to be a listener. I want to be a hearer, knowing that hearing and obeying are just intimately tied together as they were spoken by Jesus. Lastly, be assured that God, through Jesus Christ, wants to talk to you. He wants to help you deal with whatever is going on in your life. He wants to provide resources through his Holy Spirit for you. And it takes us to have hearts that are open 
and letting him speak and letting him help and seeking his help. He wants to share truths of the kingdom so that we can live kingdom lives. And he wants you, all of you, all of us, to listen and to obey. Tonight, we're going to sing a song, and maybe you're at the point in your life where, you know, I've done a lot of listening, and I've got a lot of knowledge, but it really hasn't gone to my heart. And my heart moves me to want to obey. Knowledge won't get you there. But the heart moved to God and opened to God. Inviting him in will let him get you there. Maybe you need to surrender your life tonight. You could do that. There are those here that would help you. If you want prayers for your life, prayers to be a better listener, that's what we all need. If we can help you, come while we stand and sing the song.